Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I am very excited to have Ryan Foy as my guest. And let me tell you about Ryan. He is a four-time author, professional speaker, and wellness educator who is passionate about all things wellness and personal growth. He is the owner of Foy Consulting, which aims to help people and organizations move from good to great through his coaching services, products, and expertise. His third book, titled How to Thrive in Remote Working Environments, aims to support the well-being of remote workers globally. It recently hit number one on Amazon in Canada and cracked the top 40 books on entrepreneurship in North America. Originally from Eastern Canada, Ryan has dedicated his life to pursuing wellness and is widely considered a thought leader in the wellness and education sectors. Today, I thought we'd talk about leadership and motivation because I think it really ties a lot to his new book, How to Thrive in Remote Working Environments. So please join me in welcoming my guest, Ryan Foy. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Vicki. Uh, thanks for that awesome introduction. And for everyone tuning in today, thanks for spending some time with us. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So we always start with an easy question, Ryan, and uh, just let everybody know, are you still in Canada and, and what part of Canada? Yeah, so I'm uh, joining in here today from a place called Prince Edward Island. So it's actually um, Canada's smallest province. The total population is probably under 200,000 people in the entire province. Uh, and I live in the capital city here. So I love it. Surrounded by ocean. I get to run to the ocean three, four times a week. Uh, a little cold in the winter, but um, the summers here are pretty incredible. So it's exciting, exciting to be here. Awesome. Well, what do you do or why? Why did you go on this path that you're on to be so involved with wellness, especially? Um, what what in your past promoted you to become passionate about that? Yeah, great question, Vicki. So it, it goes back to when I was actually 12 years old. So um, first of all, I grew up in a really small town um, and um, and when I was 12 years old, I was diagnosed with chronic migraines. And uh, at the time, uh, we didn't really know like medically what was going on. And, you know, my doctor couldn't figure it out. And then I was going to uh, the, the the nearest city and doing tests and trying to figure it out. 
And we couldn't really figure out the cause of those migraines. And long story short, I was part of a study through a local university where basically I journaled my day to day. And mm. uh, at the end of that research study, it was a matter of figuring out, okay, were there lifestyle choices and, and things that, um, you know, made you less prone to getting these migraines and turns out the days that I was physically active, I was not at all getting these migraines and I was also sleeping better and I was also eating better and I just felt better. And so you can imagine at 12 years old, how foundational that is. Like most of us don't figure that out until we're adults that, Oh, if we move, we feel good. Um, and so that kind of sent me on this path of, okay, I need to, you know, move every day in order to avoid the pain of these migraines and also just to feel good. And so that's really what set me on this trajectory of the kind of the pursuit of well-being and what does that mean for each individual? What does that mean for me? What do I need uh, as I, as I go through life? And I've been very fortunate to, you know, have a career in this um, working in the wellness education space writing my own business um, and writing books uh, focused on the topic of well-being, whether it's in remote working environments or just for the, for the uh, individual out there looking to um, looking to get more strategies around that. So I don't know where, where I go next, but, um, but for now it's, it's, it's been, uh, it kind of goes back to that. And, uh, and it's just something where I had, uh, you know, lemons and, and made lemonade out of, out of the situation. Um, yeah. And it's really, I think, an important thing for the audience, especially if you're parents, to remember or to take heart in is the the fact of the movement piece. You know, a lot of our kids feel comfortable just sitting on their switch uh, doing games and things like that, which, you know, I think in some ways do help their mind, but it it's that playing basketball things out there with running around taking walks just you know you don't have to i don't think in in a lot of ways you don't have to do something that has you sweating buckets to really benefit from it is just movement so i'm so happy that you discovered that early on yeah absolutely and you're 100 spot on there one of the things i talk a lot about is just small nudges and every bit of movement counts. And we're starting to move in that direction here in Canada, at least that all movement uh, adds up. So whether it's 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, I work remote. So, you know, it's, it's very important to be intentional about getting up and going for small walks outside, even walk around the house, doing some small chores and things like that. All of that counts. And, um, and you're right. It doesn't have to be as daunting as, you know, going to these 60 minute, high intensity spin classes. If you don't yeah. like spin, that's not going to work. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, Vicki. And one of the things I always talk about whenever I talk on this subject is the fact that when you feel stuck, you know, when you're writing or if you, you know, aren't doing a report or anything and, and you mentally feel drained. For me, I will do housework where it's sort of brainless, mindless things, sweeping or whatever. And, and that, I think that movement and that release allows your brain to become more creative and innovative again. And you a lot of times do solve that problem that was having you stuck. Yeah, absolutely. So I always laugh. I tell my wife my best ideas and my best solutions to, to challenges actually come in the shower. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've heard this from other entrepreneurs and writers as well. Like they'll think about something like, oh, yeah, like that totally makes sense. 
Uh, so I don't know what the research is, the science is behind that, but I do find that fascinating or like a walk in the woods too. Uh, I find I'm like super clear and I can, I can come up with a solution to that problem. I think for the shower, it's probably senses as well as, uh, well, probably your senses. So you, you have the heat of the water calming you. And then a lot of times we use soaps and things that are calming too, lavender and things like that, that again, allow our brains to stop being so tight and actually open up to new ideas and things. So. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if we're going to make it an advertisement for Old Spice here, but <laughs> I love the Old Spice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so you wrote three books and, you know, your most recent one is the, the one to thrive in remote networking or, uh, excuse me, working environments. But what was that first book and the second book? What were they uh, focusing on? Yeah, great question, Vicky. So um, the first one was really, I started my writing journey on a platform called Medium. And if listeners are familiar with that platform, um, you know all about it. But for those who don't know, it's a freelance plat uh, a platform for freelance writers to get their word out, get their message out. And that's really where I started writing. And I wrote, ended up writing for the largest publication on Medium for a few years. And so the first book was really just taking some of those um, thought leadership pieces from Medium, compiling it into a book and putting it out there. Um, so that one's more focused on uh, thought leadership and what is thought leadership mm -hmm. um, and, and, and pulling content, moving content around in more of a structured way to just help kind of bring that forward uh with with my through my writing um the second one though was really my kind of coming out party as an author so that book is called your best decade um and this one i wrote uh while i was actually teaching in the middle east so i would go back to my hotel room at the end of the school day and literally just write all night um spend the weekends writing in the hotel room and brought that one to fruition and launched it uh, right around my 30th birthday in mm -hmm. 2019. Um, that one, the reason why I published that one is I just really want to make an impact. You know, I really, I wanted to help support the individual out there really looking to make any changes in what I call the big three areas of their lives, the relational, the professional, and the personal lives. And so there's that thread of well-being through it, but it's also really focused on concepts around personal growth and development. Now it's not the only book on personal growth and development. I'm always clear with people like, um, you know, there's tons of books out yeah. there. They're really good books. Um, but this is just another one to add to the the toolkit, uh, for you. And then the latest one came out of COVID, you know, there was, um, we all went through it, uh, and here in Canada, there was, uh, a lot of fear. There was a lot of, um, you know, well-being was not put in the forefront of a lot of the decisions that were made and it was more of just survival for a lot of people and you know a lot of people thrown into remote work without the strategies and the tools that they need to thrive in that new way of working and so that book really came out of that need to help support those individuals out there working remotely potentially forever coming out of the pandemic and so that one um, really focuses again on on how do we how do we do that and how do we live well in the new way of working yeah so a couple, couple of thoughts come to mind. First, I wanted to um, come back to the thought leadership and, and what exactly that is. I, I think that that would be a good question to ask in your mind. 
you know, what is thought leadership and and why is it important? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. That's a good one because I think sometimes you can get stuck on definitions. Mm -hmm. For me, the way I look at it is if you're a voice in your space or you have a unique thought that can bring that you can bring forward, it's just a different way of looking at something um, or just a more unique way of unpacking something. Um, getting it out there is a form of thought leadership, right? You're improving the collective thought of either your viewers, your readers, society, community. Um, and I think sometimes we think, you know, you have to reach some pinnacle to be a thought leader. But at the end of the day, there's so many brilliant people out there and it's just a matter of being vulnerable and being open to getting your thoughts out there. And so that's really what I try to do with that first book. Now I look back at it now, I've grown as a writer quite a bit and I think, oh, you know, I probably could go back and redo that book. But at that point in time, that was my version of thought leadership in, in, in the specific topic areas that I was talking about in that book. So yeah, again, I, I think, you know, for anybody listening in, um, we can get caught up in the definitions, but I, I do believe that if you have a unique, unique way of looking at something, you can be bold about looking at something mm -hmm. and have some evidence to back up what you're saying, but also, um, you know, the, the, the courage to put it out there, you can be a thought leader in your space. Awesome. And the, the other piece is, as we were talking about that new book and, and why you wrote about remote working and, and of course I experienced it, but it, it was interesting for me. I had, I'm a, a Toastmaster as well. And I had been a region advisor just before pandemic started. And my appointment went from 2019 to 2021. So I was in the heat of all of it. And when I first went out to my region, which was in California and I'm from Georgia, the the interesting thing was that California is, is where the birthplace of Toastmasters and Ralph Smedley. And so therefore I was, I guess, fortunate or disadvantaged, I guess. Some of my members had been members for since, you know, for 40 and 50 years, and older gentlemen and women. And I was saying, well, you should do hybrid meetings so that people can join even if they can't get through all this California traffic or if it's a dense and you might want to get some people in more remote areas of, of California or neighboring states. And they're like, oh, no, you cannot do that. You can't communicate on this online. It's not the same. And then COVID hit and it was like all of my phones ringing off the hook and and it, we made it work and wonderfully. Yeah. And then so I was having all this success and I had my niece come live with me to help her remote learn and their school in Pennsylvania had no clue how to do this. And so here I am trying to help her learn and they basically were trying to treat it as if, you know, they had a snow day and here's your assignments and do it. And luckily she had a teacher living here, plus a, a younger person. My daughter at that time was just in her um, early thirties, had gone through college and all that kind of stuff. And so she could help her. And then there was me. And so she had the support system. And I thought, what about that mom with a bunch of kids that can't help their kids? And 
So I think even beyond remote workers, how do we educate and and do this better if our kids have to be able to go through school in that environment? And how can we better teach them to be there for each other, not just here's your assignments and have it. And, and I think as a remote worker, we have to remember that if you're a manager, you don't just give an assignment, but you have to be there to, as if you were a, a water cooler, you pass them by or go into the lunchroom and conversation goes away from work sometimes and into social and personal. So you get to know and build relationships and all that. So kind of talk about that aspect. Yeah, absolutely, Vicki. And that's a really great anecdote to share. Um, you know, a few things come to mind. First, I think we learned through the pandemic that, you know, we can still connect. And I think, you know, there's still that push and pull, you know, some big CEO saying, oh, we need to go back to the office. But I think remote work is here to stay. I think it proved over COVID that we can still connect. There's a difference between communication and connection. You know, if you send me an email, we're communicating. But right now, we're connecting together. And I think that's why you would have seen that success with Toastmasters is now you're forced to connect in a new way, not just communicate. And I think prior to the pandemic, we weren't sure if that could work, right? Whether it was that industry, whether it was education, whether it was um, you know, my type of work doing kind of educational consultant work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you make the space intentionally make the space for connection over communication, it can work. And I think that that's an important piece to remember. The other thing too, is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're social beings by nature and loneliness was at an all time high during the pandemic. And I think there's still some research out there floating around that loneliness is still a thing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're making space. Like, for example, one thing we do uh, with my my team on my full-time job is every Monday, we just take an hour to connect. How was your weekend? What did you get up to? You can pass if you want to pass. Talk about if you're not feeling well, why is that? You know, is there anything we can do to help with your portfolio? And we're really just there. We're a community for each other. And I think education can learn a lot from that. How do we create these learning communities, especially at the post-secondary level. Um, And I think, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but I do think the university experience is changing. I think that universities have to be even more, uh, they have to have more of an emphasis on that student experience more so than the learning, because now learning is changing with AI, how we learn is changing. We now have these personal assistants um, at the click of a button. But it's about the connection that's really, really important as we move forward. And I'll share this one last thought, Vicky. But, you know, wouldn't it be like, I, I can't see this being that far out, but imagine the day that that holographic technology that you can see at Disney when you go to Disney, Disney yeah. World, mm-hmm. right? You can see Captain Jack Sparrow as a hologram, right? Yeah. Imagine when that becomes more affordable and you could be sitting in my office as a hologram and we could be having this conversation. So I think as again, we're continuing to move in this direction, whether it's looking at it from an education lens or healthcare or whatever. But I think that these tools are going to continue to get better to allow us to keep connecting. And I think that that's the important piece. Yeah, for sure. And I I think part of what helped me to be able to pivot to that was 
I was a project lead for a large company and I had people around the world that I had to, to work with. And, and so as soon as, you know, we started with Skype and, and video conferencing that was so expensive to do and not great. <laughs> and then zoom came along and, and so I use zoom all the time and I made people leave their cameras on during our meetings, which was not, well received oftentimes they always wanted to i think multitask and that's why they wouldn't leave their camera on but the the other piece was i spent 5 years going to college at 47 to or 44 sorry uh, to be able to get my degree and i did i was on the road for my work so i did university of phoenix and one of the great things about that schooling was that we all were remote, but we had discussion questions with the teacher and the class every time we met. And that will allowed us to build those relationships and that connection piece that gave me a sense of comfort to know, okay, even though I'm not in a classroom with these people, we still are having this exchange of ideas and thoughts and questions and things that organically come out just as we do today. And so um, I thank University of Phoenix for that. <laughs> so question I have too is what was the biggest lesson that you learned in this experience of writing this last book? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's funny, the, the writing process, I just did a launch event recently and um, I got a question around this, you know, what does the writing process look like? with each book and each book has been different. You know, your best decade was kind of a slow boil, slow boil. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then it took me a while to have the confidence to get it out. Right. I was like, I had the manuscript ready and I was like, ah, do I, you know, do I publish this or not? Um, with how to thrive in remote working environments. I actually, it was the holiday season. It was around this time of year, uh, at the height of COVID here in Canada, we were in kind of lockdown mode and, mm -hmm. Uh, I was traveling to see my parents and I had to do a 14 day quarantine at my sister's house in rural, uh, Eastern Canada. Mm. And so I was like, well, you know, I kind of had the frame of what I was going to write about, but I was like, why not take these 14 days and just, you know, do this. And so I did. And I kind of make a joke that I channeled my inner Mark Twain a little bit. You know, there's the story of Mark Twain went up to the cabin in Maine yeah, right. with the cat in the stove, you know? Um, I remember one day I'm like sitting there writing this thing. I got Star Wars on in the background. My sister's cats are all over the place. There's deer in the backyard. And I was like, this is actually kind of nice, you know? Um, but yeah, that's how I did that one. So it was over 14 days. I, I wrote the manuscript and obviously uh, I took some time after to do the editing and the design and all that. But that was different. That was a very unique situation, obviously. And um and it was kind of interesting too, because when you're put in these creative confines, sometimes good things can happen, right? Like I had the time constraint, but I also had this, the, the kind of the, that brief period of time where I didn't really have much going on. Um, and so I could fully focus on that. Whereas yeah. other times you're kind of writing it on the side of your desk. So that was a pretty cool experience for sure. Awesome. And that, I think that's good that, you know, to give yourself permission, I it's interesting, though, I think some people still don't know what to do with free time <laughs> yeah. and not being busy. And uh, that's a whole nother podcast, I'm sure. 
Yep, absolutely. So if you could give your former self some piece of advice, what would that be? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I think a few things. One would be, you know, early on as a, as a business owner, I thought I had to do everything. Um, and so I was doing this, I was doing that. I was trying to, you know, restructure this specific package. And, and, um, and then I was like, Oh, I can launch this new feature and this, this will go really well. And then I, and I just burned out. I realized that like, I was not excited about my business anymore. I was not as passionate. I felt very vanilla. And so I had to trim down. I had a mentor at the time who helped me trim down a little bit, but you know, what, what are some of the things that are not feeding me and what are some of the things that are just not working within the business and i think every early entrepreneur goes through that uh, and i'm glad i went through that it was a very stressful frustrating time for me but i'm glad i kind of went through that to trim that down so i would say the advice i would give is you know don't you don't have to do everything and you know figure out what are one two maybe even three things you do really well and then focus on those things um another thing that i would say too that i've learned is sometimes you're in sprint seasons and sometimes you're in a marathon season, whether that's with your business, with books, with your job. And I know my brother-in-law, he's an accountant and he always talks about this, right? Like the first quarter of every year is sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the rest of the season is, uh, is marathon. And, mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, with, with, with the last book, I talked about it being a bit of a sprint. The one before that was a bit of a marathon. Um, and so, that's just something I've learned over the over the last few years is that, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of showing up day in and day out, just doing one, two things, adding value to the market that you're that you're looking to support. And eventually good things happen. It does, you don't always have to sprint at it. And so I think those would be the two pieces of advice I would give. And I think that's important for the remote workers to remember because you don't have that person walking by your desk reminding you that you have to get something done. And and there are going to be projects or things that you have to do that you've got to just hunker down and and get finished, get, meet deadlines. And then there's other things that they long term projects that you need to really schedule out and pace yourself and and all of that discipline has to be accomplished in this remote environment. Again, so yeah. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that. So that's one of the in the book I talk about the 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 different skills that are needed in the new economy, the remote economy, and one of those is just that. Uh, first, I talk about setting boundaries. Second is self discipline and fostering that discipline and focus. Mm-hmm. Right. So figuring out, for example, when do you work the best? Like when are you the most creative? For me, it's first thing in the morning. Um, for other people, it's later in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you have kids and you have different schedules, figuring out, okay, when is my best focus time within the day, right? And everybody's different. And there's not one, you know, one way of doing things. And so, you know, the book is really about helping the reader figure that out. Um, and then just replicating that day in and day out. And that's where you see success over the long term. At least I've seen that. And I've seen that with other remote workers as well. And I think it's, if you look at it from the other side, if you're a supervisor or manager or director of people that are remote, owner of a business that have remote people, to keep that in mind, that everyone is different. 
And that's why it's so important that you do build relationships that when you hire someone and you do go through, hopefully, or a great orientation of them, that you take the time to get to know, well, what is your best time? Do they even know that? Can you help them in that self-discovery so that the, some of the conflict or tension that you might have later will not be there because you took the time to say, oh, you know, I had a long time ago, I had a person who was a programmer and she, and this was not when we did remote, this was not when we did anything. And, and I did have to kind of rock the boat a little bit with my management, but her best work was like at two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And, and she, you know, wasn't great first thing. So for me, it was like, just please, just, I had this project that was a long-term project that I needed the best from her. And I said, just please let her work from, you know, midnight to five in the morning and she can come in at midday, <laughs> but I want yep. that programming done at, at two in the morning when she's at her prime. And she did give me awesome, awesome stuff, but it, it was hard for others to understand why I was, you know, setting precedent. I was like, oh, you know, I want yeah. their best work whenever, whatever time of day that is. Yeah. And I think, you know, this could be a whole other podcast too, but I think this is a learning for the education community, right? That like we do, we obviously do our best and I'm an educator by trade as well. We do our best to figure out what works for our students in terms of when they learn or how they learn the best, yeah. but our school days are so structured, right? Like you come in at this time, you leave at this time, you're sitting the majority of the day. Um, I think there's now more conversation about changing that and how learning happens is changing. But I think we're starting to see this because you're you're 100% correct, Vicky. You know, these same students go into the job force and then they're expected to be at their best when they don't even know maybe when they're at their best, yeah. <laughs> right? Like school, school's not in at two in the morning. Um, yeah, right. But for you, that might be the best way that you work is at two in the morning. And, you know, life changes and you have different time zones and the world is different now. And I think we have to prepare our students for that. And to your point, as employers especially if this is your first time working remote, coming in and asking, making space for those questions to just allow that remote worker the creative space to figure that out for themselves because they will be productive once they know the rhythm, they know the routines, and they know that they're not going to be uh, micromanaged in that way. You know what I mean? I think that that's another important yeah. piece there too. For sure. Well, again, I knew this was going to be uh, one that we probably have to have more than one part to because I think that, you know, it's important to hear about all the things that you do, but with remote working, we are still uncovering and peeling the onion on that. And so I definitely will want to have you back after some time to, to see what else we've learned as, as life evolves here in this new world that we've got. One last question is what, who, who was the major influence that took you from education to being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I would say Seth Godin. So I don't know if you've read any of Seth Godin's work. Mm -hmm. uh, for listeners out there, he's, he has so many books. Definitely check out check them out. They're not the most flashy on the outside. Well, sometimes they are, but they're not the most like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the most revealing, yeah. uh, you know, uh, book I, I might ever read and then you open it and you're like this is brilliant 
And so I think for me, for a long time, I had the ideas, I had the drive, I had, you know, all of those things in place, the expertise, I just didn't have the confidence. Yeah. And um, whether it was writing, owning a business, or whatnot. And Seth Godin just allowed me to have that confidence. And one of the books that really stood out to me was The Purple Cow. Definitely check that one out. <laughs> um, I find that fascinating. I see it everywhere now and I love it. And the other one is called The Practice. And basically that one is just that. It's about the practice, like ship the work. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be authentic. It needs to be different. And as long as you're different, different is okay. And sometimes the more different you are, even better in the market. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just a very interesting way of looking at things and not having to come in with this perfect, oh, this needs to be exactly this way. Uh, you can test, you can figure things out as you go. And he's really allowed me to be a creative scientist with my business and with my writing. And uh, he's had a huge impact on me. So definitely check out his work. Yeah. I I mentioned earlier that I was a project manager for many years. And so in project management, it used to be, you know, the waterfall and everything is like, <laughs> and then yep. later in my career, um, agile came out and agile had you fail and learn and fail and learn. And, and it just made such perfect sense to me because of all the projects that I had that we failed and we stopped. And I, and I always thought, but, but but we we learned this and we we could do more we could change we could pivot and you know budgetary constraints kept you from doing that and i think as entrepreneurs as business owners everyone we need to understand the value of failure and the benefits of failure and and not being perfect i you know i always teach that about my speaking uh, to my speaking folks is that being perfect is boring and, and, and it's, you know, the most, some of the most fun that I have in interviews is whenever we screw up and we laugh about it, we learn from it. And so um, I love that you had that. So definitely the purple cow will be on my list to, to check out for sure. <laughs> even, even if it's, if it's not anything, but a great book to have in my background here that's <laughs> the yeah it's background. a good one you're, you're yes. gonna love it yes so I am going to share my screen now so those of you that have been enjoying this conversation with Ryan might want to get in touch with him and contact him see if you can work with him and so his contact information will be on a slide if you're just listening as always I remind you that you can go to my YouTube channel Vicki Nettling or my website findyourleadershipconfidence.com to get all this information in my show notes but if you're listening right now and you have a pen and pencil as you hopefully should have you can go to uh it's foy but it's spelled f-a-h-e-y consulting.org again f-a-h-e-y consulting.org and the facebook is wellness rf for his initials and LinkedIn, he's Ryan Foy. And again, that's F-A-H-E-Y. Instagram is wellnessrf88. Twitter is wellnessrf. And I'll let Ryan talk to you about just the things that you might find when you go on to his website. Yeah, absolutely, Vicki. And just back to you know your YouTube page, I smashed that subscribe button first thing this morning. I encourage all the listeners to do that. 
Um, yeah, if you go to my website, um, there's some different options for you. I have a store with my books there. Uh, you can see some of my coaching packages, things like that. Um, you can also just see other podcast interviews I've done. This one will also be on the website as well. Um, and then there's opportunity to connect. So there's a little chat bot that will pop up for you. We can connect if you have an event or you just want to further a conversation from what you heard today. We'd love to do that. Um, and then same with my social media. I try to keep it fun, keep it light, but also keep it authentic to me. So let's definitely connect there. I would love to love to connect with all of you. Awesome. All right. And you need to make sure that you check out that book, How to Thrive in Remote Working Environments. All right. So as always, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. Uh, we we definitely have to get back together to talk some more on this subject. I think it's something that everybody needs to keep top of mind so that we can become really comfortable in working environments. I, I think that the anything we do that takes away the borders and makes our reach uh, you know, all around the world, that's even better. And as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.